Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? Good, yourself? Good, good. Can you hear me well? Yeah, no, it's coming in crystal clear. How am I? I'm perfect, yeah. Whoa, hey man, sorry it took a while. It's been, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's just been, it's been busy. <laughs> it's been, uh, a year of being busy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, it's okay, Christmas coming, so, uh, <laughs> no, it's just, I had like, as soon as the campaign dropped, I took a few days off, because uh, I wanted to rest. But then work picked up because mid uh, mid November we had uh, like a national meeting. Yeah. Then I got super sick, which killed an entire weekend, which yeah. sucks. Um, then I went to Alberta, which was Alberta was interesting. Interesting, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, people leave their trucks on the side of the road. They just like abandon them there. <laughs> like I don't. Okay. In what I, way? In what way do they like? Temporarily, or you mean like like as a dumping ground? I mean, for at least twenty four hours. So I am assuming permanently. <laughs> or they have like what one day a week where they can pick up like cars from the side of the highway. I'm okay. not sure. Like I saw two cars that were off the like they were abandoned because they were accidented, which fine. But still, like if you crash your truck like here, you don't leave it overnight. Mm-hmm. Like, you pick it up. You call the towing, the tow truck, and then you just get them to tow your shit away because you're a responsible human being. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, from what I've been hearing, um, because of the prime minister's decision not to ship oil to mm-hmm. the rest of the world, I mean, who could really afford to not abandon your car? <laughs> That's some t- twisted logic, Joe. <laughs> uh, it's just what I hear. This is what I hear um, online, you know? No, that's okay. That's okay. They're gonna get uh, like the Alberta said they would just increase train transport. So this is what it is. Yeah, what could go wrong there? Eh? Whoa, what per- could go wrong there? Apparently, I was on TV <laughs> earlier. Whoa, congrats <laughs> from the uh, the protest, right? Yeah. Apparently, I was like, apparently uh, I was seen on TV. Interesting. Yeah, that's um, happening in news. We I hope I hope my TV news. appearances was not me. Playing with my phone. That'd be disappointing. Hey, I'm on TV. Oh, I'm that dick who's not listening. So, uh, how'd it go? go? Uh, That was okay, man. That was good. Um, Across the province, 12,000 people showed up. Mm, That's a good uh, turnout. Yeah, so there's there's a few things that are uh, super funny about this whole story. Um... Like, first of all, like, like the cuts that Ford has done to the Franco-Ontarian services, like, the commissioner uh, position is a $3 million budget a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's saving $3 million, which, mm-hmm. which most people were like, yeah, a dollar is a dollar. I mean, like, yeah, maybe, but it's less than one thousandth of a percent of the deficit this year. And, and it pisses off like a half a million people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the university, the Franco University was a $20 million, uh, or $20, $25 million a year, uh, for four years. So it was like about total 90 million, maybe. Yeah. Which again, is a drop. Like, it's like saying, I'm gonna empty the sand lot, and then you remove, like, three grains of salt, of sand, and you're like, it's, oh, it's gone, it's going well. Anyway, so 12,000 people showed up. So here's where the numbers are interesting. So if we're generous, we can say that uh, Ford was saving about 0.007% of the projected deficit this year, not even the whole budget. 
Yeah. Like just, you know, just so let, let's say 0.001, uh, like 0.01 to be, you know, nice to him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, he lost a higher percentage of his caucus because of this decision than the savings that he's going to get because mm-hmm. he lost one member out of a hundred something or <laughs> <laughs> so, so already he's losing out on like percentage of caucus lost for money saved, mm-hmm. but Today, more, uh, like, about, what's, uh, what's like 12,000 out of 600,000? Let me, let me get, let me get a calculator. If I do 12,000, which is the people, the people that turned out, yeah, and okay. it's estimated that the Franco Ontarian community is 600,000. So, um, 2% of Franco Ontarians came out today. Yeah. Way more, way higher percentage than the savings that he made as well. So, numbers. Numbers. I'm not saying it matters. I'm just saying they're funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, everything nowadays is about signifying, right? It's about showing where you stand on things. And Mm -hmm. I guess uh, for his base, this is a good, between this and the uh, sex Mm -hmm. ed stuff, Yeah, it's it's good for the base. Good for to motivate the base. Like I think I don't I don't think his decision was motivated by uh, by hate. I think his decision was motivated by ignorance. He saw a list of things he could cut, and he was like, yes, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes, and then um, and then francophone affairs he didn't really care about. Mm-hmm. But it's just now he's got like this whole thing, and now because he's a strong man, uh, he cannot just change his mind. Like like a strong man doesn't say, oh okay. So, so he's kind of caught there. He's, he's, he's willing to give back a little bit, but then not enough. And now the, like, as a commentator said it, once the, when the, when the, once the bowl is out of the barn, closing the door doesn't fix it. Yeah. Um, which, so now it's like people will not demobilize until they get everything that they ask for, which may mean that, uh, it's, it's going to need to go, uh, uh, to the, to the justice system. And then that takes a while, and wherever, whichever way it goes, it's probably going to be appealed and going to the Supreme Court. So that's like years, even after the four government will be out. So anyway, interesting turn of event. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, realistically, how much is this going to hurt him politically, right? Uh, well, it, yeah, yeah, it's going to hurt him. It's going to make it harder maybe. in. It's going to make it harder for conservatives in Northern Ontario. And they they already don't have a chance there. There it's like NDP territory yeah, it's primarily. True. Yeah, it's it's very dipper so there. It's really just the suburbs and the rural part of eastern Ontario, and that's only two ridings. So there's, yeah, there's, there, you may have a point. There's uh the 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 damage on the message though. Um, so for like over the last provincial election, because of the um. Because of the, um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, yeah, so during the last provincial election, the, uh, the PCs did a lot of like flirting with Franco Ontarians. Doug Ford was like saying left and right how much he, like, you know, it was, he promised that he would keep the university project and that like he, he said that he would increase Fran- uh, health services for French people and like this whole fucking thing. And then mm-hmm. some people did like vote like that. Uh, Amada Simar is from uh, like a, she's she's from she's a conservative Franco Ontarian from a Franco Ontarian writing. So clearly there are examples where people like uh, would vote on these issues anyway. So then uh, and now now that he's in the government, he's just uh, it's out of the I don't know. It, like the message it sends is the conservatives are 
Like, that was their one chance to show the people that liberals was not the only option if you're Franco-Ontarian. And now now it's back to liberals. Forever. Or at least for a generation. Yeah, that's true. But again, it's uh, it's only two ridings. So, maybe it doesn't really matter. What are you saying, Joe? (laughs) I'm saying that it's politically irrelevant. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can lose. It's politics, you know? You only need to get a certain percentage of the population. You only really need to appeal to something like 25% of the population of a province, right? So to be able to win. Yeah, that's that's true. So are you are you perhaps, but I don't want to put words in your mouth, are you perhaps suggesting um, that our electoral system kind of suck? <laughs> uh, I would never be cynical about <laughs> politics ever. Uh, um, I just like yeah. to call things how they are, you know? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> how do you want to do this today? How do I want to do this? Well, I guess, yeah, after that uh, that rambling preamble, I should introduce what this is, that this is a Canadian politics podcast. Wait, that... you, you, you were recording right now, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good I didn't talk too much about all the symptoms of my E. coli infection. Yeah, that might have been a turn off to start with. You got to ease people <laughs> yeah. into the E. coli symptoms. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we we've we've tried this a few times now. Yeah. I think this is what the third iteration of us trying to start a politics podcast. I know, and I like like I I think I think the the the, the format that works the best for me is to be an infrequent collaborator to these. I really like doing them, but I like clearly if we, my schedule was stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's uh, just do this as casual as possible. Check in when we can. See what's going on. Yeah. Um. Try to keep it about Canada, but what I've come to realize is that. Canadian politics is completely inseparable from American politics that we're just mm-hmm. so heavily influenced by it. And I think it's only gotten worse yeah. the proliferation of social media because now, whereas in the past you probably would have had to pay a little more attention or you would have had to have seen American politics through the lens of the CBC or something. Now you can get all the same American memes that the Americans get and we just can't escape it. So yeah, we'll probably drift in and out of American politics, no doubt, but ostensibly this is a Canadian politics podcast. And Yeah. See, American politics, I went through the cycle, right? Like where uh I at like, you know, like Donald Trump was elected, which yeah. is um it's going to be year 0 at some point. <laughs> Um, (laughs) we're going to be, we're like right now we're in two, uh, after the, uh, the inauguration of Donald Trump, I, I D T, uh, but like, uh, and then so I, I, you know, so I ignore a bit us news for a bit. Cause I was like, you know what? Like, let's not like, let's not enable this. And then I got super into us news. Like way, that was the only thing I was listening to. When was this? Um, probably like, uh, six months in, like his mandate. So last year. And then, uh, until like, I don't know, until like maybe, maybe this summer, like this summer, I, I decided I was just, it was always the same, um, the same thing. There was never any satisfactory conclusions to any of the political stories there. Uh, and I just stopped listening to it. And it's now it's just background noise that is like very impactful to Canadian politics. You're absolutely right on this, except I'm, um, I think I just don't care anymore. Like I've accepted 
<laughs> I've resigned myself <laughs> to, um, you know, whatever they decide, it will just fuck us up. So yeah. wait, is that, that's a, that's um you're going to have the, the, the thing, eh, for the swearing? The explicit this? tag? Yeah. Yeah. So feel free to earn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i guess you might as well get used to another you know six years of trump so might as well just accept that now right and, and like you know like into a... what were the what was the deal that we just like agreed to to the states because like like obviously the opposition here in canada will be like ah this is a bad deal like fine okay uh, i expected this from you guys but like, what's the deal? Like, cause, um, cause even Justin Trudeau doesn't seem too, uh, uh, you know, upbeat about it. Um, I don't know any of the details of the new trade oh, yeah. deal. Um, from what I understand, it's basically just, uh, NAFTA, but with enough concessions that, uh, it makes it worthwhile for Trump's, uh, ideology on trade and that trade is a bad thing. And should be mm -hmm. punished. The, that trade always has a guy who wins and always has a guy who loses. And that mm -hmm. this agreement has to have more of America in the winning camp than in the losing camp. Right, right, right. It's an interesting view on trade, eh? It's a very interesting view on trade because, like, it's it it for it, at the core principle of his way to see trade as trade as a threat, as something that you can lose at. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's interesting because trade at its core is like it's based on the knowledge that like you know by exchanging we both benefit more than if we stole from each other. But. Yeah. So he basically broke the mold <laughs> on the consensus that trade is universally a good thing because in in the basically with the end of the Cold War it was just accepted that neoliberal policy was going to be the way of the future. Not only was it going to be the way and no one could change it, mm -hmm. but it was also the best course of action for humanity. And he has upset that apple cart to a degree. He hasn't been as radical, I think, as many people suspected he would. They thought that he might be much more of a protectionist and he's kind of proven mm -hmm. that he's much more of a free trader. Mm -hmm. But he's kind of like shifted the Overton window a bit which for people who don't know the Overton window is basically like the yeah, scale Yeah, can you of explain debate. this for other people, obviously? <laughs> <laughs> so basically the Overton window is the, it's basically the scale of, um, scale of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of, of a debate that you can have. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's the kind of debate that you can have with normal people. There's always people on the fringes who have wacky ideas, right? Like, like Nazism is still not something that you could say, have a polite conversation with people about, but you could say be alt-right. You could be like a sort of like neo-Nazi type, but don't call yourself that. Mm -hmm. And you, like Richard Spencer can still get mainstream media interviews, but they wouldn't, mainstream media wouldn't interview, say, um, the leader of a neo-Nazi gang. Right? Yeah. So that's yeah. how the Everton window shifted in that respect. Mm -hmm. The same thing has happened on trade. In the past, mainstream media wouldn't have dwelt, dealt, you know, dealt with anyone really who was anti-trade, even though there were still existing people who were saying, you know, like trade is mm -hmm. unfair. It doesn't, 
uh, you know, like it basically arbitrages labor so that companies can move to jurisdictions that don't have labor standards, that don't have environmental standards. Anyone yep. making that argument in the aftermath of the Cold War was basically a fringe player. And it was sort of conceptualized as the, you know, the anti-globalization movement that existed in the 1990s when you had basically like Naomi Klein types who were very much considered the fringe of discourse. But Trump being an anti-trade president, now it's perfectly legitimate to discuss yeah. the idea that trade is not about mutual benefit, but it's about one country getting it over on another country. Mm -hmm. um, that's an interesting concept. Of course I knew. What the, what <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, but yeah, thank you for explaining it for people who, you know, <laughs> you know the, the the people are way less knowledgeable than that. we are yeah that expert uh -huh. podcasters like a <laughs> professional podcasters yeah <laughs> yeah that's good so what do we talk about today we just uh talk about trump and trade or oh man what is how are things going well um what i've been noticing that mm -hmm. the media types have been talking about is that there might actually be? It's interesting because we, our previous podcast that we that we did back in 2016, 2017, mm -hmm. we sort of talked a lot about the formal attacks that people would have, that institutions would have against Donald Trump, right? Against you know, like basically the Comey investigation. Like it was, it kicked off from the start, right? The idea that mm -hmm. there was inherent corruption in this administration. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, there's going to be relatively good proof of collaboration between mm -hmm. members of the administration and the Russian state. Mm -hmm. My question, I guess, is does it even matter? <laughs> that's that well i mean it's the bigger quite well i mean that's that's a very good question there's also this like this phenomenon where it seems like like on basic stuff that seems to be easily like provable so um uh the the emolument cl uh, clause or i think it's called like uh the you're not supposed to make money from throwing like uh entities if you're the president like this is easily demonstrable that like Donald Trump is benefiting from it, like from foreign people spending money out, partly at his hotels or like renting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and there was no, there's, like it's it's kind of accepted that he's not supposed to do it, and and in fact would be anti-constitutional, and yet nobody's acting on it. There seems to be no consequence. Mm -hmm. So like even if it like all of these these this this new knowledge comes out and it's it's proven that he had all of these uh, like links, I'm not convinced that there will be any consequence either because it seems like no but nobody like I don't know can I don't know I don't understand it I don't think. Um, I'm not super hopeful. I think it will be a challenge to the um, uh, the rule of law in the United States. From what I understand, there's no real legal precedent to be able to push these sorts of charges onto a sitting president because it's the jurist, the um, the precedent doesn't accept that these sorts of matters can be dealt legally. 
mm-hmm. and that what would happen would be that there would be such compelling evidence that it would have to go to Congress and then they would have to push for uh, mm-hmm. for, uh, for impeachment. Mm-hmm. What I'm, if they do end up doing that, now that the Democrats hold the House, is that bad for Trump or is it good? This is my no. question because like the, poli- the from the, the elite opinion seems to be that like his goose is cooked that once this information is revealed, it's going to be sort of inevitable that he's destroyed by this impeachment process. But what isn't taken, I think, into consideration is that the people who like Donald Trump hate the institutions that will be persecuting him, right? Yes. So whereas they in the past, they don't, in, they don't believe in the legitimacy of the institutions that are um, passing judgment on Donald Trump. Yeah, so it'll seem just like sort of like a lynching. Yes. And may, in fact, secure his reelection, if anything. Yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible. Um Like, and the, the yeah, there's a lot of like smaller questions here. Is like, like if. Now I would assume that every American has an opinion on Donald Trump, right? I would assume there there must be very few indifferent people yeah, regarding Donald Trump. That, yeah. um, but they were before the elect the, the last elections. So I think I think in this next election, the, the real question is like, is there assuming everyone goes out to vote, assuming they get like a really really high turnout from both sides, is are there more? People that are so disenfranchised in the the the, the U.S. Uh, and its structures and and the the current system that they would vote for Donald Trump, or are there more people that are worried about seeing those structures go away? And, and ultimately, like I don't know, I, I don't know. It's it's possible. It's possible that there's more people who want to see the end of this um, in the United States. It's it's been seen before in other places. Yeah, see, there's, it's it's interesting because the disenfranchisement is on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. So it depends almost entirely on who the Democrats elect to or or nominate rather, because yeah. it's like you have disenfranchisement in the sense you have people who are in the upper stratum of various parts of the country who don't see like seem like they have any impact on the political system and or just despise it and then they supported Trump but then you have a bunch of people in the lowest end of the spectrum the economic spectrum of American society who just stayed home in 2016 Mm -hmm. and it all depends on whether they select an establishment character for their nominee or whether they go with uh someone who's like their own Donald Trump. And the signals seem to be what's coming out at the moment is that Hillary Clinton seems to be putting out feelers for running again. Bernie Sanders has done the same. So are we going to end up in a situation where Bernie Sanders runs again against Hillary Clinton? He loses to her. And then she loses to Donald Trump in 2020. 
Um, it it would be it would be awful if they ran both of these people again. Like I don't I don't mind like Bernie Sanders is way too old for the job. And I don't think he can convince like even like he's he's got some very dedicated people, but I think he's um he's carrying off a part of the electorate. So the, I don't think it would be a good. And Hillary Clinton would be awful, awful, awful. awful. <laughs> so hopefully there's someone new. <laughs> Problem is, but I can't no see no one him. else, right? Like, like there's been some talk of like in the sort of left fringe of the Democratic Party, but not really, like not Bernie Sanders left, but like just sort of like somewhat left in the Democratic Party. The question is, would they get enough motive momentum behind them to be able to beat Trump, uh, or would they be seen as too institutional or too irrelevant? Mm-hmm. Then you have sort of like the new Hillary Clinton figure, who is uh, Beto O'Rourke, uh, who ran for the Senate against Ted Cruz in Texas. Yeah, he's but sort he of lost. Seen as like a right wing Hillary Clinton type Democrat. But he lost to Ted Cruz, so that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like you may you may try again in four years, well, or six years, I guess. When is the next uh, elections for? Um, they they on the six or four year uh, cycle. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I do not know the answer. Huh? We don't, we don't have to that. like. We don't have to interrupt the podcast. To do <laughs> it's um. How does it work? It's so it's the house. The uh, House of Representatives is uh, every two years for all the seats, and then the Senate I think is a third of the seats every two years. So yeah, it would be a six year cycle. Right. Yeah. So he's young. He might just continue to try to get a Senate seat yep. before going presidential. But then again, you know, Barack Obama was young too, and he decided to just sort of jump into the fray. He was just a. Yeah. I mean, he did win a Senate seat first, though, right? Or not a Senate seat? Why not? One of the issue, uh, one of the issue the Democrat have, like they have many issues, but uh, one one that they have is their, I think one of their star uh, Democrat right now is not part of that Democrat establishment, Ocasio Cortez, right? She's yeah. like she's like everywhere right now. Uh, she's a new favorite target of the of the Republicans. Um, I, I I like when they try to make fun of her because she was saying it was hard to like find a place to live if you don't have a paycheck in Washington D.C. <laughs> And then they're like, ha ha, look at her. It's like, what the fuck do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, ah, she doesn't have money. It's like, okay, well, that's, 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 I don't know. That's a weird, it's a weird, I understand why you go there, but it's a weird thing to be like laughing at someone at. Well, I mean, it just goes to show how disconnected they are and that there's this massive opportunity if there would be someone who would speak to that concern that millions of Americans have and say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, look, like, these these people they don't give a shit. These people have never worried about where they're go- whether they're gonna have a roof over their house or not in their mm-hmm. entire lives. You have. So there's another there's a situation I mentioned and it makes me think. You know, in the Overton window you explained uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel healthcare in the United States is having a big shift there too, because now do you, you you keep hearing from more and more sources that you need like um, like a, a national healthcare system. Yeah. And and that's something that I like. Even on even in the first mandate of Obama would never have been like 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 if Obama had con- even considered the national health care and not just like a version the the the, the Affordable Care Act version, um, he would have been like burned at the cross. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 nice to see this shift that happens. Like it seems like over the last like ten years, uh, where now it's not crazy to be like for uh, national healthcare in the United States. Yeah, it's 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 sort of a, I guess a bit of a blessing that Obamacare turned into such a disaster because then it showed that oh, there's really no compromising with. Um, an insurance system. There's no way to like universalize an insurance yeah. system without it being a total disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the only saving grace of that program. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's just changed completely. It's, it's sort of seen as a bit of a purity test going forward, mm-hmm. whether you're willing to endorse universal healthcare or not. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. Like definitely under Trump, that's not something that's going to happen. But perhaps <laughs> for the yeah. perhaps for the one after him. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, like I, it, it, it'll be. You know, that's that'll make a big difference. I think in the Democratic nomination process, whether a candidate says they will support universal health care or not. And I think if they go for someone who's continuing with um, the idea that they should just reestablish Obamacare some sort of equivalent program that kind of person mm-hmm. is going to be the spiritual inheritor of uh, Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. and that person will lose in a general election because <laughs> <laughs> it's not it won't it won't it's going to be a signifier not just for healthcare but for a whole host of different policies and ideologies right yeah yeah, sorry. As you were talking, my phone rang. I know it's not like great for podcast <laughs> etiquette. I will, uh, I will turn off my uh, my ringer. I, at least, people. at least I did answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been a bit of a faux pas. <laughs> I mean, I don't know all the rules, but I think, I, I think that one. I think, <laughs> I think that one. Um, I mean, you know, it's such an easy sell, dude. They just gotta say, okay, you know, like how. Uh, grandparents have Medicare mm-hmm. uh, it's just going to be that but for everybody yeah well <laughs> and I don't but again like obviously I come with my Canadian bias like I don't get why like what's the point like it's like good on you you're sick or what like I don't understand this like why shouldn't we if you assume that you have to pay for your own health care isn't it rooted in this belief that like you are in better health, so you will need it less, so you don't want to pay for others? And then if if that's true, like that's a big leap of faith to assume that like like isn't it like demonstrable? I've been to live in life enough to know that shit happens and accident happens and like it's not because you're responsible for it all the time. I know you know what I mean. Like it's like I, I don't I I I feel it's a thought process that hasn't been like finished. But. Well, I think I think you're, it's because you're trying to rationalize something that's just totally irrational. You can't. Mm. There's no. There's no justification for it. It's just. It's a system that's been cobbled together in different ways throughout the years, and this is how they ended up with it. And then there's these very powerful interests that work to maintain it this way. And then there's also just the element of inertia that when you have a a, a system like this, it's so massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there's no countervailing force. There's sure as a lot of people who have a lot to lose, they're going to fight tooth and nail so that it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't want to change in the first place because it's so big. And there's no one on the other side fighting 
for universal health care in any meaningful, powerful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like I, I, I get what the system doesn't change. It's just it's always blows my mind to see people like actual individual just being so emotionally invested in this. And you're like, well, anyway, if, if you if you spend all your time thinking about this, I don't know. I don't get it. That's, there's a lot of I will, I will figure it out there. today. It's OK. Like, I've, accepted, <laughs> I've accepted there are some answers that I do not get in life and that's yeah. fine. <laughs> that's good well, I mean the reality is that yeah for there's enough people that just it doesn't impact that that it's it's just like you can accept the bullshit right like if you don't mm-hmm. actually see the consequences yeah then it's you can maintain the delusion that it's an, an efficient way to allocate healthcare when it's not mm-hmm. yeah yeah a quick segue yeah to, uh, to something completely different. So it's not really a segue, I guess. Change the topic. Yeah. Um, so I told you I was in Alberta earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, my meetings were in Red Deer. And Red Deer is a beautiful, quaint town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a town that exists because it's located exactly halfway between Edmonton and Calgary. Yeah. Like it's the, the I, I think the, the, like the, the, the perp, the need of something at that spot preceded the need of a town. Yeah. Uh, whatever they have one now yeah. and um and yeah and then i went to the restaurant and guess what they served i was blown away by it blown away by it what? they had bc salmon and i was like what you guys are supposed to be at the war like how do you still buy bc salmon anyway what's the news on this are they still fighting did they find an agreement did uh, alberta cut the tap off like they said they would oh you know how it is it's just a bunch of uh you know, crowing about how uh, they're sending us to the poorhouse. I mean, as if as if anyone's gonna do anything. This is such like a Canadian situation, where it's just <laughs> it's just like a bunch of, of whining and like indecision, and we're just like you said, like we're gonna we're gonna end up just shipping it all by rail because mm-hmm. you know no one can make decisions. Like no one has the power to make decisions in this country. Everyone has different interests, so they won't be able to come to some some sort of compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll just end up with everyone unhappy. Basically, it's just going to be expensive to ship, but it's still going to get shipped. So everyone's going to be, you know, just going to have like these these highly explosive uh, rail convoys that are costing us a fortune, and um, not going to do anything to uh, limit the uh, industrial capacity of the oil fields. Mm-hmm. And so it won't do anything as far as uh, mitigating climate change. Not that it's really a huge source of it in the first place, but it won't do, you do anything. Do that building a second pipeline would reduce the number of train of cars on that track? I don't think so at this point because it's so delayed. Right, mm-hmm. like they still have to ship it in the meantime. Because, like the the argument, like and that's something you hear about the argument that like like trains are less safe than pipelines, and there's some numbers to uh, to support this. Um, and it's always being presented as a train versus pipeline yeah. uh, situation. That's not how it's going to go down, though. Like no. once the pipeline build, we'll have both trains and the pipeline. 
Like they're not going to stop limiting. Like right now, the issue is they cannot ship enough. Yeah. So they won't transfer the shipping method to another, like, and just leave tracks open if they can do it. Yeah. So like, it's it's always been it's always presented as this, and it's it's a bit disingenuous as an mm-hmm. argument. Um, but anyway, we have our own pipeline now. Like, can we? Yeah, we, you and I, we're both the happy pipeline. <laughs> Um, so I think since we have it, we should like make it like just in, keep investing in it, make it super nice and shiny and new, and then yeah. you rent it, you rent it out to companies to use. Okay. And then we as citizens, since it's our pipeline, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, we can benefit right away from the profit of this. Okay. What do you want to ship through it? Maple syrup or? No, we can put some oil in it. Like well, it's, the, we can put. We just need to like repair it a little bit. Don't we well, need to stop climate change though by stopping all oil production? You're so woke. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's just stuff I read on the internet. I don't know. <laughs> You're so woke, Joe. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. I guess your argument is that um, perhaps as a, as a as a rich, wealthy uh, Western nation. We should be uh, at the forefront of this uh, global change toward renewable energy sources, maybe? Yeah, sure. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. I, I, I mean, I'm sure those are the words you would have chosen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just that eloquently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, mean, that. But, yeah. It's a weird debate, you know. It's just like, like I said, like I, it seems like no one's really. There's no real compromise from anyone, no one. And I think that's why you kind of get this, how the federal government operates, is just because they're trying to placate multiple interests and that they don't have any sort of firm position on it either. So it's just like, yeah, we'll buy a pipeline, but then we'll not approve this pipeline, but then we'll uh, let you ship it by rail, but then we'll uh, say that uh, climate change is going to uh, destroy civilization. So we have to... Have some sort of pricing mechanism on it. Yeah, I feel um, like climate change has definitely kicked up a notch over the last like year. Not maybe not in reality, like it's been awful and bad for like at least a decade and more. Uh, but like in in the, in the public discourse, it kicked up a notch. Like there's a sense there's a sense of impending doom that is way more present now um, that that perhaps wasn't there before. Uh, most elections had, uh, like, whether, even the, the municipal level, but municipally, provincially, uh, ha- had these advocates that were like, that, that were like saying that, glo- you know, global change is the number one threat and we need absolute actions now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, uh, civil society actions that are coming out. Uh, I don't know if it was a thing in, uh, English Canada, but in French Canada, we had the Le Pacte. Which was, uh, like this sort of like commitment that people could go sign and that immediately got hundreds of thousands of signatures. And like, like there's, there's definitely this feeling that climate change now is like, well, I mean, I think we kind of accepted it's real. Like, not that I have ever really debated it, but it is, it's, it's less debated now. Yeah. Again, it's the Overton Windows. Yeah. And a lot of this has to do with Trump, I think. Just anything that Trump uh, is in strong opposition to, then right minded people tend to gravitate yeah. towards the other side right yeah anyway the, the general feeling i get out of this all is just hopelessness and just <laughs> this, this, this feeling that yeah. whatever we do it's it's too late now and it's late, yeah. um 
I uh, I was on I watched the movie uh, Ready Player One on the actually I watched the first ten minutes of Ready Player One because yeah. I really didn't get into the movie. I'm sorry for people who like it. <laughs> Couldn't get into it. When I saw Jim Rayner from StarCraft shooting, I was like, okay. <laughs> no, um, um, but yeah, the movie starts, and it's like, uh, like I was born in this town, whatever, uh, after some Columbus, event. Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, Columbus, Ohio. Thank you very much. Is it a movie you like a lot? Am I trashing? No, no like not that? at all. Uh, and, then, um, and then it says it's after the year, after the time that people stop. Uh, trying to fix issues yeah. and just trying to outlive them. Yeah. And I feel, I feel we're kind of headed toward this. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think we're just, just awful. All, it's going to be mitigation now. There's no, oh. there's no way that we're actually going to stop it at this point. We're just going to keep increasing emissions because people have other priorities and this is not one of them. And especially the people who are powerful enough to be able to make decisions in society, they have the resources necessary to be able to deal with the consequences. It's the mm -hmm. people who are politically disenfranchised who are going to bear the the worst burdens of climate change, right? <laughs> um, so that I mean, I think it's just like a, a question of incentives. There was a, there was a, an, uh, an event in the California fires. You may, I don't know if you read all the news about Kanye West as much as I do. Um, but yeah, but there was this, there was this, uh, this, you know, the California fires were raging and then like destroying like, like, I don't know how many thousands of houses were destroyed. Like yeah. awful, awful situation. Lots of sympathy for people living there. But like, uh, and then there was this event where Kanye West and, uh, and his wife could like pay for private firefighter team to surround their house and protect their house against the fires. Yeah. And this was like, Rightly criticized on the internet as like a sign of like late stage capitalism where, uh, like, you know, like rich people can save their house against global warming and poor people, well, you're just fucked and there's nothing you can do. And, uh, and it was kind of a rallying cry for some people being like, this is like, this is what the future is if we don't change course. I uh, think that's correct. I think that is exactly how it's going to go. I think it's going to be private firefighters, private police services, like how um, Detroit has basically um, abandoned downtown to a uh, to its largest employer. It's basically like a uh, like a payday loan type company mm -hmm. that operates in the downtown Detroit core, and they operate all the security mm -hmm. and have this like elaborate security camera system as well as their own police force. Uh, there's, uh, there was corporate this, states. Yeah. It's basically going to be like Robocop and Robocop actually you know, took place in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, so it's true. actually coming true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there was this article I was reading about how wealthy people are building climate day bunkers yeah. in remote locations. And one of the issues that they're trying to figure out is that, they have to be able to extract themselves from an urban environment to uh, wherever their escape bunker mm -hmm. is, right? But the mm -hmm. issue is the person who's going to extract them, whatever, some like ex-Navy SEAL guy, <laughs> why is he not just going to kill you mm -hmm. and then just take the bunker for himself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, so they're trying to devise various systems that they can install in their bunkers. Like they're thinking about uh, various uh, kinds of like uh, collars, like neck collars, 
mm-hmm. so that if they die, then the operator is also killed by the caller. Um, they're thinking about systems where they have to be able to actively engage the food system in the bunker so that they have to still, again, be alive to be able to uh, release any of the storage. Things like this. These are. This is what the elite point, are planning point, at the moment. You just have to say that they have this technology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got this. This elaborate security <laughs> system. And if I'm not alive, like that, basically you die too. So it's yeah. like keep me alive. Like, just, just say you have it. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> These are very meticulous people, though. <laughs> uh, this is this is weird though. This this is this feels very science fictiony. Like it feels like like that's the same uh, thing in uh, Blade Runner as well. Um, I think Alien has the same future as well. In Alien, like big corporations are kind of like yeah. But I don't know. Like um, yeah, it is a worrying trend, and you see this actually in um, you see this in the uh, like in developing countries too. Where the very rich population all have private security guards and they have access to the parallel system that the rest of the, the majority of the population doesn't. Uh, and so, like, yes, I think, like, didn't we kind of decide, at least, like, in the Western world, like, in the <laughs> 90s, didn't we kind of change the social contract <laughs> to be like, okay, it's okay for some people to be rich and some people to be poor, but let's try to, like, find a happy middle? <laughs> And now it's just like fuck that. The middle is for losers. Like yeah. I don't know. It's like it's the wealth disparity is is and and I know that's something we talked about before, but like the wealth disparity is is very worrying it's because it it doesn't create the sustainable future. Yeah, I think you'll see that that the rest of the world, any of the world where there's more um, general equality, not that there's like a huge amount of equality in the West, but it's not quite. Um, mm-hmm like Brazilian slums or uh, Mumbai or whatever. But I think that's where the Western world is headed. It's going to be like a return to this sort of stark inequality. And yeah, the wealthy will end up developing parallel parallel systems to the state that they'll be able to operate at their own discretion. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's a lot of video games where this is exactly the same thing. Like, it's it's a very common theme. Like, we we've all, and that, since it's so prevalent as a theme in like in fiction and in like, like you, you'd figure that like people know that's a threat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they understand the threat because I don't know, but maybe maybe science fiction, maybe everyone who thought about this is just wrong. Well, I think some people do think about it, but then what do you do about it is the question, right? Like, you're pretty powerful. Most people, most individuals are powerless, and we live in a very alienated society, too, where we just barely interact with people in our physical community, and so it's really difficult to get any kind of solidarity going. And you say this as we talk over Skype. <laughs> exactly. Well, we live about 15 minutes away from here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just pointing out the obvious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I never said I was part of the solution. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a contrarian. Um yeah, anyway, that's, uh, yeah, those are, like, it's not a super happy episode today. We're talking about, like, all of those. Uh, all our episodes uh, rarely are. 
Horror episodes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you point out the way the trajectory of the world, it's it's hard to avoid uh, certain developments, right? Um, you know, it depends. It depends how far out you're looking, right? But climate change is now going to be a reality. We're not going to actually do anything about it. I never thought we would, honestly. When it, mm-hmm. back when I was an undergrad. Um, and it was still like a pretty important issue, at least in academia at the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just looking around at society, how it operates, even my fellow classmates who should have been the most woke members of society. Yeah. I just realized none of these people are going to sacrifice their comfort in any meaningful way to be able to mitigate this situation this is mm-hmm. never going to happen there's just it's modern life is so comfortable doing something about this would be so unpleasant putting it off to tomorrow passing the blame to other people mm-hmm. much easier uh i i figured it was going to go this way i think it's going to continue to go this way because even though the situation is ramping up and getting worse i saw recently that Scientists have just realized that glaciers are actually melting from the bottom up. And so they sort of miscalculated how quickly they would be gone just because from there's, the bottom there's like, up. yeah. Cause like there's, there's warm water coming from in the ocean and basically melting the glaciers from the, the sea hmm. upwards instead of from the warm air downwards. And mm-hmm. so they, they didn't they didn't understand this phenomena, and so they think that it's actually going to melt the glaciers um, way quicker yeah. than previously estimated. Um, and then if you think about the fact that a lot of this permafrost has, uh, you know, their carbon sinks that are going to be released, and that in the glaciers there's going to be large methane pockets that are also going to be released and that if any of this starts happening it's going to be like a snowball effect um you know doing some kind of like marginal carbon tax in a handful of industries is not going to counter yeah this this sort of uh, process like i think i feel like we're pretty locked in Mm -hmm. and that if you care about surviving this you got to start thinking about what you're going to do when ecological systems start becoming unsustainable. Yeah. See, what I was thinking as you were saying this is when New York is inevitably flooded. Yeah. Um, are they going to keep the building and build bridges between the, the skyscrapers? Like, and then just basically have a Venice of the North America? Like, because a lot of people can keep living there. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't need ground access. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have this sort of like nice like uh like skyscrapers sticking out of the sea with like bridges between them it's gonna yeah. be cool man yeah, it's gonna be pretty cool it's gonna look very futuristic it's gonna be it's very interesting super futuristic instead of just abandoning the city right like i mean most people will have to abandon the city and they'll figure out whatever but it's fine yeah, they'll just ship in workers on like pontoon boats mm-hmm. you know instead of taking the bridges and the tunnels you'll just take a pontoon boat to uh, you know, uh, your Manhattan bank where you're a janitor and then they'll ship you back out again to whatever New Jersey or something. It's not <laughs> flooded. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think that, I, I think it'll depend, 
It'll depend on where you are and how valuable the place is, whether it's worth saving or not. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I can see Manhattan surviving because it's so valued by so many wealthy people. But then, like, another place, it's going to be destroyed, like, say, coastal Florida. I think, like, Miami, they'll just abandon it and just build a new Miami somewhere else. Yeah. Well, yeah. It just sucks because there's so much drug that will go into water. It's going to get... <laughs> My bottom, he gets. It's not very waterproof. <laughs> the whole city goes under. It's just gonna be like just drinking the water is gonna be get 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 you high. Oh yeah, they're already they're finding that there's a lot of like prescription medicine that actually makes it back into the oceans and like really fucks up. Well, estrogen's a big one, right? Yeah. Like like a fish with estrogens, like it's just like it's it's what's happening now. Yeah. So it'll be that, but cocaine will be a lot of. <laughs> fish on uppers yeah you just uh you evaporate your water and you have pure cocaine left <laughs> <laughs> yeah. instead of desalinating the water people yeah. will be decocifying it decocifying their, their <laughs> mighty water yeah, yeah exactly um <laughs> yay yay for the near future we are gonna run to the mountains yeah you'll have to you just gotta make sure you have either a really good community or a, a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one or the other. Well, you know what? I'm ready for the revolution now. Because, like, as, <laughs> a, as a, you know, the, yeah. we just need to uh, accept it's coming. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see what goes. We'll see I what mean, goes. there's going to be some serious social unrest in the very near future. Especially, yeah, with, yeah. you know, the dual, like, climate catastrophe combined with um, automation. Mm-hmm. And just mass unemployment. I mean, it's going to be quite the recipe for uh, for uh, a return to popular uprisings. I think. Well, I I want to be at a camp in the woods with you because you know how to do everything. <laughs> I'm getting there. You, I'm learning you, all the you really skills. worked on your yeah, you worked <laughs> on your your survival skills. Um, at least at least you know like growing. I think you're you good at gardening, right? Getting there, I'm getting there. Yeah, see, I'm I'm shit at gardening, but by shit I mean I don't really know. I've never done it, but yeah. I'm assume I'm assuming I'm not good at it. Yeah. Um, I I, I mean I, I'm a self-confident guy, but there's limits to. <laughs> I've never gardened, and I think I'm an expert at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just like anything else, but I mean, you know, what are we going to be growing in Canada in the future, right? Mangoes, bananas, who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be yeah. one of the, we're actually going to be one of the few countries that probably benefits from this well uh, well that's only if the u.s gives us access to water sources though because they're going to come up and yeah you know when water runs scarce they're going to be like yeah you're you guys are cute but we're taking over i mean we're basically gonna have to become like the taliban and like flee to the rockies and then just like come down in the springtime and just like fuck up the american occupiers and yeah well you know what? And shit. yeah we'll be i'll be part of the resistance yeah. that's okay Ooh, like, it's a rough life. It's a well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> it's a rough life being an outlaw. Yep. <laughs> um, but it's okay. Canadians too have a history of like uh, of uh, you know not not playing ball. Maybe we have a few revol- We have a few uprising in Canada. Yeah. None of them work. None of them worked. Um, <laughs> more more bloody often than people realize. What's that? I think I think people uh, people who don't know Canadian history they tend to think it's really boring, but that just tends to be the the boring stuff is just unfortunately what's taught in school, and that's uh, I understand why people 
have that opinion of it, but you're right. Like it is full of a lot of bloody, you know, uprisings. And mm -hmm. It's much and more then, interesting that people understand. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of these. There's some like, um, I, I, I don't know about all of them. Like I, I know, I know about like the, the lower Canada, the upper Canada and the, the, the Red River Métis. Like, yeah. But like, there's there's tons of other things, isn't there? One in Ontario where it lasted like 24 hours or 48 hours of like a new government or something like this. Like there was a there was a name. Um, I think uh, didn't we have a podcast name after this? <laughs> With the Republic of Canada. <laughs> yeah, was it, wasn't it a thing that lasted like 24 hours? Well, that was that was basically a part of the uh, the uh, Upper Canada Rebellion. Oh, I see. The attempt to establish a republic. Oh, I see. And then they sort of moved, you know, it, it went in fits and starts, and then they went across the border and tried to get some uh, revolutionary help from uh, who they thought would be, you know, like the true Republican base in the United States. But yeah. as they found out, as so many other people found out throughout history, that just because there's a state that operates on certain principles doesn't mean they'll come to your aid, right? Like that yeah. happens so often with the Soviet Union. People, you know, leftist revolutionaries throughout the world just being portrayed by the Soviets, you know. Like I think the Egyptian communists, they uh, their entire membership list was handed over by the Soviets to the Egyptian state and they <laughs> were all massacred. They just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, we'd rather have good relations with the Egyptian government than we give a shit about our fellow communists. Yeah. Well there's I mean there's there's evidence of similar situations. Like it's more important for Trump to have a good um trade relationship with Saudi Arabia mm -hmm. than uh than holding them accountable for the brutal murder of a journalist. Yeah. Although it's not so much that this is new policy, it's just that Trump actually admitted the truth rather than another regime yeah. would have done the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Lied about it. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a that's a good point. It's just Trump is a dummy, yeah. He's just he's he's like naively honest. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't realize that you're supposed to couch these sorts of things in foreign policy parlance. Yeah. Or just or just not talk about it. Don't talk about it or just say, uh, oh, we're really concerned about this situation. We been in discussions with our Saudi comrades, they're also equally as horrified as us, and we'll be looking into this, we'll be setting up a commission, um, you know, it's just like a great tragedy, we fully support for, uh, freedom of the press in this country, and uh, whoever is responsible for this will be brought to justice, and just mm -hmm. sweep it under the rug after that, right? Well, he got, he got a bit fucked when uh, the CI report came out that said, yep, that's them. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then he, yeah. he was like forced to like announce his own intelligence system, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> which is amazing. Or her, like, or her like relations with uh, with Saudi Arabia. Yeah. But you know what? There's some European countries that are um, there's uh, coming together and saying that they're going to stop trading with Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. or at least like stop weapon sales to them. I think Sweden said they won't sell weapons to them anymore. You know, yeah. Sweden, the Germany big weapon too. manufacturer. Sweden um, actually has a pretty big uh, uh, military uh, export industry. Does it? Yeah, they they have a lot of like fighter well. jets and small arms and stuff. So I'm always happy when I'm recorded saying bullshit. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Lesson for all. <laughs> 
I mean, you're right. You're right. In, like the grand scheme of things, that uh, if Sweden turns off the tap, Saudi Arabia has so many other potential suitors that they can just go out on the market and they will plug up any gap. I mean, it's really just America is the essential partner to uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, other than that, it's all just sort of, um, you know, just friendly diplomatic relations, right? It's, uh, we'll, we'll give you a little something, you give us a little something, it's nice, we're all working together, but it's, it's just, it, it all comes down to America in the end. They're the ones who have the big, the big uh, financial resources. And... Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah, I don't know. Other than that, um, it's been uh, it's been pretty slow lately. Uh, ever since the midterms were over, and we just sort of entered into an era of uh, I don't know, like sort of uh, status quo. Mm-hmm. Not a lot can change at the moment. Well, it seems like everything's poised to change in January, so we'll wait till January. Like it yeah. seems I don't know. like apparently they're gonna do a lot of investigations. That's what we keep hearing. And it's like, <laughs> well, okay, stop telling us. Just you know, just do it. Yeah, it's fine. Get to the just, point. Yeah. Um, but whatever. This is a bit of a shit show. Like this, this whole like. I'm not even sure if Mueller's gonna get anywhere. Like, I think he's gonna publish a report, but I don't know. Like, like seeing the, how the Kavanaugh thing unfolded is really like, um, um, really saps your optimism. <laughs> not that like I don't, you know, just not even like the decision, just the process of it and how politicized it became and all like everything. It's like, yeah, it's exactly how this Mueller report's gonna go down. It, it won't matter what the information is. It won't matter what color said it, and that's gonna end up like that. Yeah, and like I said, if anything, it could be to his benefit if you, if you constantly see on the news these people who are the very definition of Washington insiders constantly attacking Donald Trump. I mean, the, it, it's funny because, like, he – Donald Trump's his own worst enemy, right? Like, if you leave him be, he'll do such terrible things mm-hmm. that it will become plainly obvious why he shouldn't be the leader. But yeah. if you make him basically the the totem that is in contrast to the people who have actually destroyed America, mm-hmm. then suddenly he looks good just by comparison. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's value in this. I think I think this is definitely a man we should ignore more because like you're absolutely right he will like he doesn't need people attacking him to fuck up and he is an interesting president in the sense that he never stopped campaigning most Mm -hmm. presidents they campaign as a means to an end Mm -hmm. to be able to govern but trump hates governing and he lives to campaign. Mm-hmm. And if you can starve him of the campaign energy of the oxygen, then he's forced to just govern and govern poorly. Uh, but if you engage with him, if you say that you stand for the opposite mm-hmm. of what he is, then 
suddenly people can sort of invest their hopes and fears inside of him. Yeah, it gives him substance that he wouldn't bring. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, yeah, if you if you if you portray yourself as the opposite of a thing, then you have all the opposite qualities of that thing, even though you may not have to demonstrate them. Because, but yeah, I think you're right. It gives him more substance than he. Like, there's a lot of position that are trusted upon him that don't that they don't feel like he's either ever thought of it before, but he becomes the symbol for those those positions and he and he, he and he gets that right like that's yeah. that's where he's really good at like he understands that he becomes a beacon for something else mm-hmm. but and he uses this um to his benefit yeah i mean like it'll be the easiest campaign slogan in 2020 if this is what they pursue he's just got to say you know all those people who turned your communities into jobless fentanyl soaked hellscapes mm-hmm. all those people hate me yeah 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 and then yeah i think i think that i think there's something there and and some news organizations starting to like not give uh not not view like the entire press briefings uh because they they understand it's a platform for propaganda Rather than than information, um, like some people, even Fox News has decided not to broadcast. Like they're starting to ignore some of his rallies because it's always the same shit. shit. <laughs> That's for TV. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think the the less he's gonna get this exposure, the more the the, the more hurt he's gonna become, like as politically, uh, because you become less of this symbol. Well, we'll see what happens. It's we'll really fu- it's really funny, eh? Because um, going back to uh, 2016. The media companies were all tripping over one another to basically give him free advertising by going yep. to his campaign rallies because they were so much more interesting than mm-hmm. the uh, by the numbers incredibly boring press conferences given by any of the other candidates. Yeah, I mean, he, he told this crowd to attack people, so yeah. you know, like it's fun. It's... Like you go if you go to a Trump if you go to a you know, whoever else was running that year, like Ted Cruz rally or Jeff Bush or something, you're going to hear a bunch of boring talking points about like, oh, we're going to like lower the marginal rate on uh, like corporate uh, income tax deductions uh, over a five-year period. Uh, You go to a Trump rally and he might uh, say that uh, all Mexicans are rapists and that we need to build a giant wall to encase America. There's a WWE quality to his meetings. Oh, yeah. To his rallies. And it's amazing that he was literally trained in WWE. <laughs> yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a professional wrestler. <laughs> yeah, he's always been sort of like a carnival barker. Yeah. He's just been like, you know, well, like this is the 21st century circus. Come join me. Come be entertained. Like politics doesn't have to be all of these professional psychopaths who are constantly lying to you in a total monotone. It can be a guy who is putting on a show and is telling you that you rock. We're going to make this country awesome again. And we're going to have a fun time doing it. Yeah. This bodybuilder you see on TV that accuses Mueller of like corruption. He can be my attorney general. That's good. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you're right. It's a bit, it's a bit. <laughs> Come see my my team. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> like all those Italian Americans who went to go work for the administration, who all say that Goodfellas is their favorite movie and that they watch it uh, three times a week. Yep. I mean, it's, it's like it's amazing. Like the cast of characters that he's brought into the White House. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Angel, I have bad news for you. Oh no. Yeah, I think I have to uh, to go. Okay. Well, yeah. uh, this was a good start. I hope yeah, I can it was okay. uh, hunt you. Yeah, down I like this more again. casual conversation type too. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have to always be like that. But it's nice. We uh, we discussed ahead of time, uh, like so. So for you know, but people who listen to this podcast may not. I was um, uh, directing a political campaign for the last uh, six months of my life. Uh, so perhaps we can talk about this at some point. Yeah, let's do that next episode. And uh, yeah, I just need to figure out what I can say and cannot say, so <laughs> I'll work on that. And, yeah, uh, gather your thoughts. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'll gather my thoughts. Gather your thoughts. Let me know next time you're free. We can do this uh, anytime. We can do it in uh, bits and pieces if need mm-hmm. be, and uh, let's just uh, make it happen. I mean, I'm kind of liking the Skype format too. It's 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 pretty convenient to be honest. Oh, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, convenient for me too equipment setups way easier yeah see i didn't have to wear clothes for this this podcast so it's good this episode I... <laughs> you can see why so many people like to, uh so many people who are like people in the uh, political media or any kind of media love to do i mean this is what trump does right like uh he 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 does a lot of interviews by the phone and then they just put like an awesome photo of him up right because he looks like shit like, he always looks like shit yeah. So this way he doesn't have to put on a suit. Yeah. He doesn't have to put on makeup. He always looks amazing because it's a stock photo. And, yeah. he can, and he can do it from the convenience of his couch. Yeah. So we should take, a, you know, a page out of Trump's book and run our podcast just like Trump would. Oh, my God. I'm going to send you the best fucking photo. <laughs> okay. Please do. <laughs> I'll make it the episode art. <laughs> just my face. Yeah. Um... <laughs> All right, then. That was fun. I will uh, speak to you very soon. Sounds good, buddy. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Bye.